All right, everyone. Welcome. Today's guest is Ryan Maybach. He is president and CEO of Barton Mallow Holdings. Uh, Barton Mallow is a construction company that provides innovative construction solutions. They're well known for their large scale projects, including stadiums, hospitals, and universities. We're looking forward to learning more about that. Ryan is part of the fourth generational legacy at Barton Mallow. Uh, he began as an intern. You began as an intern. How cool is that? And moved your way up uh, to now the leader of, of the company. Uh, for those that don't know, Barton Mallow has multiple locations across the United States and an office in Canada. Uh, and Barton Mallow was a long-standing elite winner of the best and brightest companies to work for in the nation. You're one of the highest scoring companies in the nation. That's why we have you on the program today. And regionally, they were best of the best large business. So it's great pleasure. Please welcome uh, Ryan to the program. Welcome. Jennifer, thank you. It's, uh, it's good to be with you. So tell everyone, get the 30-second overview of your company uh, and give us a little feel for um, uh, your role there and uh, the team. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, we're a construction company. We're based in Southeast Michigan, but uh, do work throughout the eastern half of the U.S., a little bit into uh, western half of the U.S., uh, an operation up in Canada, and then occasional work down in Mexico. And uh, you covered a, a handful of the markets that we work in. About half of our business, we would say, is commercial and institutional work, the sports work, the healthcare work, education work that we're involved in. And then half of our business is industrial. So tracing our roots back to Detroit and the automotive industry, the, um, the collection of automotive clients have been a part of our history and legacy for 90, 99 years. And uh, as well, we do a fair bit of energy work and a little bit of process equipment and steel work as well. So uh, we're, yeah, yeah, it is, uh, it is fun. Oh, that's great. Now let's let's talk about this. Forty uh, percent of companies make it to second generation. Only thirteen percent make it to third generation. You're fourth generation, and you explained this to us a little bit better, but. Three, only 3% make it to fourth generation. So that's quite a legacy um, and quite a bit of pressure. So tell us about that uh, adventure of being family legacy. Sure, I, you know, I've, I've heard those statistics many different times and uh, you know, it is, it, it, is, it is interesting. And I think any credit for getting uh, to where we're at certainly would be uh, credit given to uh, my, my father, my aunts and uncles who were a part of the business over time. My uh, father was one of eight. Seven out of the eight were involved in the business at different points in time. Uh, my, my grandfather and some of the planning that, that he had done. And so, um, you know, I, I think any organization that's multi-generational or, or multi-decade has to give a tremendous amount of credit and appreciation to uh, leaders and team members who helped create that that legacy, and so uh, a lot of credit given to uh, to to each of them. And I think it's certainly a challenge to you know current generation to try to figure out how to maintain that and be good stewards of an organization for future generations as well. Yeah, well said. There's a subliminal pressure there of okay, it's my it's on my watch now, right? Um, how do you navigate uh, that legacy? 
as far as what is family and what is work. Because a lot of we have a lot of um, family businesses that are very successful in their cultures and they score very high in the program. Um, tell us how you you score um, related to what is family and what is work uh, related to you as a human. So how you know when when you go home and there's a holiday, is the business talked about? Uh, I, I, certainly it is. And, and I, I think, you know, sometimes that's positive and, and sometimes uh, it's not. I think, you know, it, it's good for, for any of us to have uh, some measure of boundaries. And, and I think for my family more uh, holistically, I think um, establishing some better boundaries is maybe an opportunity for us. But, you know, so, so um, sometimes, again, it's just it, 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 fair to say it's just a part of life, I guess, that uh, and okay. for all of us, I mean, there's a line between what you do personally and what you do professionally. Um, but yeah, we, we do talk about it uh, a fair bit. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was just wondering what, what your your model was compared to others. Um, so you mentioned quite a few projects, um, some big projects, landmark projects. Um, which of these projects do you feel uh, is the biggest impact project that Barton Mallow has taken on. Um, basically, what are you most proud of as it relates to your project work? Oh boy, I, I think, you know, most proud of, I would say, wouldn't be any one particular project, but something that we've uh, talked about for quite some time is uh, the opportunity that we see that every project has to be a positive impact on uh, people and communities. And that's uh, both the people that have the opportunity to work on the project, uh, people can learn new skills, uh, potentially people can be introduced to the construction industry, people can grow as a result of the experience, but then ultimately any of the projects that we work on are, um, they're, they're built for a purpose and that purpose generally has uh, a positive impact on, on people and the resulting community. So if it's a healthcare facility, of course people are going there to, to get healed and to, to get well. If it is um, an automotive facility and we're excited to be a part of a lot of electrification and the movement into electrification, it's you know a huge impact on how, as a country, we will go about uh, engaging in mobility and moving around the country. So it's, it is exciting for us to uh, be able to look at the positive impact that each of the projects that we work on uh, can ultimately have. And I would imagine that ripples out into your culture. People are proud of the work. They can see the work. They can touch the work. They can walk into the work. Um, they can experience it. So I would imagine that's a big part of your why do you work there, correct? I, I think it's a big part of what attracted me to construction. And I do think it's a big part of what has attracted a lot of our uh, team members to the to the business or to the industry. Yeah, there's you know, especially when you are engaged in the work itself, when you're on some of our projects or participating on our project teams, then, you know, every day is something new and different. And more days than not, you're seeing a tangible uh, difference. You know, if you were on a project one week and you visit it again, you know, the next week, you'll see a tangible change. And so uh, there's a direct visible um, you know, result from the work that you're that you're doing, and so that's you know, it's 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 a great aspect of our of our business. You just drive down the road. Oh, we did that. We did that. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. Um, 
So uh, back in 2016, pre-pandemic, uh, your company decided to grow through acquisition. Um, that it's a strategy. Uh, many businesses are doing it. Some do it well, some don't do it well. Um, sometimes there's ripple out effects with culture. Sometimes there's ripple out effects with finances, uh, clients, you name it. Um, so tell us about this journey. So I, I, I want to make sure I get this right. So correct me if I'm wrong. Some of the acquisitions include lift build, construction robotics, flypaper, and all trade. What was your strategy for growth? And then what was your strategy on the acquisitions that you made? And when that's all done, we'll talk about impact on culture and people. Sure. I, so um, you you listed off a, a handful of examples. I think of those, some of those I would consider more investments. We uh, are acting as, a, as an investor in construction robotics, what we believe is a transformational technology for our industry. Uh, Flypaper, we actually acted as an angel investor to uh, a team member that had a really terrific idea and was looking to potentially uh, spin that off and, and create a company. And so uh, we were able to, to help uh, facilitate that. Uh, All Trade was more of a, a traditional acquisition where it was a uh, ongoing business up in Canada. And uh, we had developed a, a relationship with uh, with the, the ownership and the, the leadership of All Trade through a project that we were doing up in Canada at the time. And we explored uh, the opportunity to, to acquire. Um, there was one other relatively recent acquisition that we have engaged in uh, like that. Lift Build, what you also had on the list is, I would say, totally different. It's a, um, it's a really exciting, what we would say, transformational technology looking at uh, really a fundamentally different approach to how you build multi-story buildings. And so ties very much into uh, our attempts to ensure our relevance in the in the long term, you know, placing bets on what we think can uh, be a big part of what Bard Mallow is about 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. So it's the long game. You took the long game approach on these acquisitions of the future could be this, so we'll we'll invest in this, but it also could be over here. So we need to to do both. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, we uh, we we have we talk a lot about um, both the pride that we have in uh, the construction industry and the the opportunity that I mentioned a few minutes ago of the positive impact that what we do can have. But we also talk quite openly about challenges that we see in our industry. It's one of the only industries that the Bureau of Labor Statistics tracks that has had relatively stagnant productivity over a period of many decades. And so, um, you know, as much driven out of uh, our passion for our industry and what we do, it's a big motivator to try to find new ways to uh, add better value, to, to you know, figure out how we really move the needle on the industry as, as a whole. And so, you know, we don't believe that we alone would have the answer but we definitely want to make sure that we're a part of what that solution ultimately becomes. Change will happen in our industry. Change will happen in every industry uh, for anyone and everyone that's that's watching. Uh, but you know, we we definitely want to make sure that we're well positioned, and so that's a big part of our capital allocation strategy. Yeah. Did your strategy change through acquisition and investment uh, post pandemic? And what was how? Um, forgive me. What was the impact with your people 
uh, you know, did you broadcast? This is our strategy. This is what we're doing. Um, how did they react to that? How did you manage those kind of communications? Yeah, well, I mean, gosh, COVID uh, certainly was one of those examples that we'll you know be talking about for years and years to come where there was no real playbook. I mean, we had been in a period of relative stability, if you will, in uh, the economy in many regards. And, um, you know, COVID was was definitely a big a big wake up call. And you know, we, I, I think fair to say, have had a history of being transparent in our communications. Uh, I definitely preferred more um, written communications uh, leading up to, to COVID. Um, communications team had been pushing on trying to use video, uh, really wasn't as big of a fan, but uh, it was it was critical for us to be able to get timely communication out. So uh, there was a time early in COVID where we were doing uh, daily uh, videos and, and updates. It moved to uh, more a little a bit more sporadic, uh, but it was just a, a communication strategy around here's what we know and here's what we don't know, and um, we'll we'll be pretty open and transparent about what we don't know. We were fortunate to be in a very strong financial position going into uh, the pandemic. So we didn't have to consider a number of really difficult decisions that, that other firms uh, did around how uh, to you know, potentially uh, do furloughs or, or any sort of compensation modifications. And uh, we're, we're really grateful for that. So we were glad to yeah. be able to weather the storm without, uh, without, the, without federal assistance or uh, really substantively negatively impacting our, our team members at all. That's fantastic. And you just said it so eloquently and so casually, but we all know in the business world to be in that kind of position when there's a crisis in the world or what have you, um, that comes with planning. There's, there's an underlining theme of thought and planning and preparing um, that we usually don't hear um, from from many leaders. So thank you for sharing that. Um, if I was an employee at Barton Mallow, what, what would my experience be? What's your culture like? Uh, what fun rituals do you have or what rituals do you have that uh, is uniquely yours? Yeah, no, I, a great question. I do want to double back to, to one point that you made, though, where I uh, appreciate the kind words on the potential for planning or intentionality, and I certainly don't want to make it seem as though our experience through COVID was uh, was easy. I mean, there was definitely of plenty of analysis on, you know, how much cash do we have, do we need? Uh, we had a, an upwards of 400 projects that came to a hard stop. And so, you know, in, in it's, it's great. The benefit of time, you can look back at uh, events and, and process them a little bit differently. And so glad we can say that today. At the time, it certainly wasn't uh, very. Okay. You, you don't get to escape. <laughs> we all we all went through something. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was definitely tough times. But to your to your question on rituals, I, I think um, you know there are some that are consistent and some that have evolved over time. I think the first thing that popped to mind, just because uh, engaged in a couple of them more recently, is that uh, I'd say about uh, eight or ten years ago, we started uh, giving out. Um, blue face, blue, blue is blue and orange are, are two colors. We started giving out blue face Rolexes for um, people celebrating 25 years, and uh, that was, I mean, it was it was fun. First time that we did it, I forget. I think we 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 gave out uh, the watches to anyone in the company who had 25 years at that time. We did it at an all company event. Uh, it was very unexpected and and uh, just you know fun and. 
subsequently, we used to we did it annually at this company gathering, but then COVID actually presented an opportunity to try to figure out how to how to get these watches to people. And so uh, today, it's been um, more of a fun attempt to surprise people and <laughs> the people together to celebrate that milestone. Uh, it's getting harder to do as is, is, uh, people kind of know it's coming, but it's uh, but it's fun. I mean, you think about 25 years, a quarter of a century, think about how much the company has changed over those 25 years. And, um, you know, it's just it, everyone is unique and different because everyone's career journey or walk is unique and different. And so uh, so that's fun. I think it's celebrating some of that history and longevity. Um, you know, several more I think that that I can think of, and all really revolve around how we look to communicate information, how we look to to get feedback back, uh, and how we look to try to to bring people together through a range of different communication and um, team member gatherings. Yeah, well said, well said. And that element of surprise is tricky uh, now to do. Uh, so good luck to you. <laughs> um, so every leader, um, and, and you're a, a quite a successful leader, um, you come from quite a legacy of leadership. Um, what were your monumental moments on the path to success? What were your defining moments as a leader? Well, gosh, I mean, I, you know, leadership is a, is, is a, I think is a, is a fascinating thing. And, and I think every single person has an opportunity to, engage in, in leadership in some form or fashion. And, uh, and that's true in an organization. It's true in, uh, in a home. It's true in just, you know, experiences that we have on a daily basis out in, in, in public, because, you know, it's, it's, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you create clarity? How do you get people aligned and focused on, on uh, common goals and, uh, and objectives often tied into to some purpose? And that purpose can be, fairly straightforward and that purpose can be a little bit more abstract and in turn you know some of the resulting uh, uh <laughs> directions if you will or, or visions and so you know i i don't know that it's i don't know that you ever fully arrive and i don't know that you can <laughs> back to a specific starting point i think it's just things that we all experience in in life yeah. i'd say i've been very fortunate to have had the opportunity to interact with some just some really great people uh, people of, of character that uh, you know have been impactful to me and you know ultimately as well there's no perfect leader and so you know I think we can learn from uh, watching and interacting with each other learn the the positive attributes and you know learn from the mistakes that both we make and as well those around us uh, make and yeah. those are okay because again we're none of us are perfect Oh, well, you know, just reading between the lines as you're talking, you talk about all these people that got Rolexes because they hit 20, 20 some years. I mean, that's an accomplishment in and of itself, right? To have people want to work with you for that long. And then earlier you mentioned um, that you invested in one of your employees that had an idea. I mean, that says a lot too. So, so I know you're really humble, uh, Ryan, but you know, it's okay to brag a little too. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, you're kind. And I think, again, any, any opportunity that I may have to, to, to brag or talk about, you know, great things that are happening have really just come through the efforts of, of so many people over time. And, uh, 
you know, very, very aware that uh, any, again, success that, that Bard Mallow enjoys, it, it doesn't tie back to, you know, any one particular person. And uh, I think, again, the the really great thing about being a part of, you know, any organization or a large organization is, is exactly that. It's not just one person. And, you know, the trick and the challenge and uh, the, the the reward as well as the difficulty is just how how you find ways for people to to work together to accomplish uh, common good or, or things again that can be mutually beneficial. So let's let's go with that. And um, there's a lot of wisdom there. So if you had an entrepreneur in front of you, somebody that wants to start their own business, maybe it's even a family-owned business or a family-led uh, company. What advice would you give them? There's so much wisdom from from leading a, a large company like um, Barton Mallow and all the history that goes with it. What advice would you give? Oh boy! I mean, first I would start with, especially again, that entrepreneur that uh, has the courage to to start something up from scratch. You know, congratulations and and <laughs> we wish you the best. I mean, because that uh, that's that's really a challenge, and I mean that individual is is taking a, a tremendous risk and uh that's that's exciting it's fun to watch those and read about those success stories of people that have really done some incredible things through uh starting up business i think again business can be such a force for uh for good and, and positivity but uh you know i, I think it i yeah, it's a it's a great question what advice and uh you know i i think just to to really make sure that that you on the whole uh, in, enjoy what you're doing and are, are passionate about the, the work, if you will, of the work. And, um, you know, as I reflect for, for me, uh, I'm certain that if I wasn't in the, the, the role that I'm in or doing uh, what I'm what I'm doing, I think being a part of construction in some way, shape or form, you know, I, I'm, I, uh, you know, I would I would definitely I could see myself doing because uh, it's just it's just really fun. And so. You know, there's all of us are going to have good days and bad days and, and challenges that we have to, to overcome. But if you really do enjoy the work of of the work, the broader purpose, the objective of the, the type of work that you're doing, then uh, it certainly makes it a whole lot easier. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, now, being in the construction industry, you see things that the rest of us don't. Uh, you see some supply chain. You see um, people. um wanting to build things, not wanting to, to build things. There's some leading indicators in your industry. Um, what do you see in the next six months based off of the knowledge that you have in your industry? Look into the crystal ball, look at the facts, and um, what do you see? What trends are ahead? Well, I think probably the biggest trend that, that, that we see and that it's the biggest impact on, uh, on, on our organization is the, the pivot by the automotive firms into electrification. And uh, that coupled with, I think, some of the experiences of COVID has led to an, a significant amount of onshoring of that work. If we think back to um, you know, five, 10 years ago, predominance of uh, battery manufacturing and uh, even just some of the research and development of you know, batteries was, was done outside of the United States. And, uh, to see, you know, literally the tens of billions of dollars that are being invested just in the automotive space uh, to bring that into the U.S. is uh, is is really it's it's really exciting. I think it's exciting uh, for for us as we are trying to figure out 
how to put together projects that are uh, massive in scale comparative to anything that we've done historically. And I think it's really exciting for uh, for us as as uh, as an economy. And I think again, I know there's different opinions on um, internal combustion engines versus electrification. And uh, hey, I really enjoy. Uh, still drive a, a vehicle that's a manual transmission. I, it's super fun to uh, engage in mobility like that. But uh, there's also two things can be true at the same time. Electrification can present some tremendous benefits and opportunities for us as uh, as as a society and as a as an economy. And so uh, it's it's exciting, I think, to to think about uh, mobility in in just some different ways that we may not be experiencing or thinking about today. And so. And, and technology and innovation moves so quickly. Um, the industries have changed so quickly. Um, it's almost like the tech revolution, or you know, the end when the steam engine took over. It's almost like that, but faster and more aggressive. Um, we, we all have to be sharp, stay on our toes for sure. Um, I'd like to s switch gears a little bit. Um, many. Many CEOs are, are stereotyped as, uh, oh, big CEO, um, yelling about the work and only wanting to, to focus on money. What I love about the, the best and brightest CEOs is um, it's a community of elite thinkers and they're really more servant leaders. They're, they're about making the community better and um, giving back. Um, so let's talk about you as a human. Let's talk about you as a human. Do you have um, passions outside of your job per se, whether it's in the community or any interesting hobbies you'd like to share with us? Uh, well, I, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is I have uh, uh, three three teenagers. And so oh, that- Done. <laughs> my, uh, my, my wife and I enjoy um, spending a lot of time with, with our kids and just, you know, realizing, especially as uh, we had one graduate high school and two that are uh, twins that are uh, rising juniors, uh, that, you know, that time and opportunity that we have with them is uh, pretty fleeting. So we try to do a lot together as a, as a family. And I'd say that's probably uh, the number one uh, passion. But, you know, I, I would I would say that, um, you know, I think something else that's more important to me, and I think uh, definitely a core part of how uh, I think and how I operate is, uh, you know, we talked about multi-generations in, in business, I think com consistent as well with uh, the multiple generations in, in business in my family is it's a multi-generational family of faith where uh, faith has been very important to, uh, to, to me, my wife, my, our three kids, as well to my uh, my father, my aunts and uncles, my grandfather. My grandfather was actually a pastor of a church at the same time he was involved in, in leadership and uh, running Bart Mallow. And, and I think that um, it's very helpful to have uh, something that in and of itself, if you, if you, you know, if you, if you are a person of faith and you definitely, you believe that uh, there's way more in play than uh, whatever, um, you know, particular uh, task or, um, role or, or what have you uh, that you play. And I think it just helps very much to uh, maintain perspective. Yeah. Well, thank you for being brave to share that because, you know, the, usually it's taboo to talk about faith and religion in the workplace, but many employers 
are creating space for that now. Um, and I, I know many uh, companies now are, are allowing for prayer areas or they're uh, bringing chaplains in for, for their team members in case there's an issue at home or what have you as, as a resource. So thank you for sharing that. And, and that's a wonderful family legacy. So um, let's talk a little bit more about you as a, as a human. Um, what time do you get up and how do you start your work day? Oh boy. Um day. How do you start your day in general? I'm assuming you go straight to work. I shouldn't assume. <laughs> well, you know, it's it <clears throat> it's interesting because I think routines have definitely uh changed a bit post-COVID. And I think that one of the <clears throat> one of the upsides of COVID is that you know we learned new and, and different ways of working. Even again, doing things like this would have felt very, very different four or five years ago than they do today. And so uh, I think that on the whole has provided a bit more flexibility for uh, for many, not everybody. And and I think that's that in and of itself as well as a, an issue or an opportunity that we wrestle with a bit at, at Bard Mallow. But uh, but so for me, I mean, I'm I think anyone that that grows up in this business, you tend to be a, an early riser. And so uh, alarm goes off pretty early, not the same time every day, but, you know, kind of depends on. Uh, what time go to bed at night, but uh, usually up pretty early and I enjoy reading. So usually I check in on the news and what's happening in the world and uh, try to catch up a little bit on email, uh, spend a little bit of time with the, the family as <clears throat> they head out the door. Uh, and then, you know, it's varied a bit over the last many months, uh, whether it's coming into the to the office or uh, visiting projects or traveling or you know the the opportunity to try to get organized and and work at home so uh, every day is something a little bit different but I, I uh, actually really enjoy the variety and the yeah do you find yourself more productive working at home are you more productive uh, in the office I, I know many CEOs want people back in and many HR leaders are saying, no, no, this is this is what we need for our talent. So you as a CEO, do you enjoy working remote? I, I say what I would say is I enjoy the ability to to figure out what's the best place to do whatever task it is that I that I have to do. And you know, certainly I a collaboration is is always I, I shouldn't say always speaking so definitively, but I find is best when you get a group of people together in a room around a whiteboard and, and you can really trade ideas. Uh, can it be done electronically? Of course. Uh, but there are certain things where, you know, if I uh, need to, to focus on producing something or, or really need to spend some time concentrating, uh, the office maybe isn't the best place to, to do that. Uh, so, you know, engaging and interacting with clients uh, can is best done on, on their turf and on, on their terms. And so, you know, it really just depends. And I think what good looks like is now that we've learned these new tools, it's just really the mass customization around, you know, figuring out what the best way to accomplish whatever respective task uh, you have to do uh, is. I don't know, I don't believe that it's blanket across the board, uh, you know, in one place for every single one of them. Yeah, I love how you have flexibility in your own personal life, and that gives you choices, and it 
allows you to manage things the way they need to be managed in the moment. Not everybody does that, so that's unique. Um, do, is that how you manage stress? How, how do you manage stress as a leader? You know, that's a good question. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I don't know that I have a, um, I don't know that I have a great answer to that. I think uh, probably coffee. I mean, that's a big help. <laughs> Uh, or doing maybe what I just did. I mean, I, I yes. at times, um, when appropriate, you know, try to find ways to incorporate humor to try to keep perspective and, and take it down a notch or two. Because, I mean, there's certainly <clears throat> some times where we're engaging in some uh, pretty serious, pretty, pretty life-altering um, type of discussions. And, of course, in, in those circumstances, you need to bring the proper decorum and respect, but uh, on the whole of the stuff that, that we interact with, I mean, it's important, but uh, it's also helpful to keep a little bit of perspective and yeah. not take it too seriously. And as you mentioned, your faith gives you perspective. This is small in the big scheme of things. That's that's wonderful. And I like taking breaks for coffee too. I go get a latte. What's your drink? How, how do you take your coffee? Just simple uh, black coffee. That's uh, Wow. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Um, what do you think the best decision you ever made was? Oh, boy. I mean, probably uh, um, my my uh, choice in spouse would, would be the, the best decision. <laughs> we, I think, are, are really um, very... Similar in a lot of uh, core character components, but I think very, very different in how uh, we view the world and, and our respective skill sets and attributes. And uh, I think it took us a few years to figure out that um, you know sometimes those differences are, are uh, really beneficial. And uh, I think it took us a little while to fully understand and appreciate that. But that's definitely where we're at now, and it's a it's a really good thing. Family and faith are exuding from you and your wonderful um, plans and operations and strategic thought that goes into your day and your company. It's no surprise that you're one of the best and brightest companies to work for. And it's wonderful watching all of the wonderful things that your company does. We love to share your best practices and, and now we are learning some of your best practices to share with others, to help others. So thank you for being on the show, Ryan. And it's wonderful to have you and just keep shining bright, my friend. Well, Jennifer, thank you. Appreciate the time and the conversation.